Good morning, church. Happy Mother's Day. Speaking of Mother's Day, Ackerman children in the family room, if you hear my voice, get in here. Church is starting. I walked down there and I looked at my three big girls and was like, where are all the little kids? They're like, oh, they usually come. I'm just like, mm, supervision. Supervision is good. Supervision is good. Well, I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord today to celebrate him. To celebrate him, um, motherhood comes from the Father. Yeah. <laughs> All good things come from the Father. Uh, motherhood comes from the Father. He equips us. He nurtures us. Uh, he grows us up, protects us. Um, so we're just going to worship him this morning and come into his presence and fill up. Fill up moms. Fill up dads. Fill up families. Fill up marriages. You know, I love Mother's Day. I would be no kind of mom whatsoever without Jesus and without a phenomenal husband, um, but mostly without Jesus. <laughs> so, um, but it's about more than just moms. It's really families. I mean, dads, moms, um, spiritual mentors who pray for, for moms, dads, families. So I'm excited. I'm excited to receive from heaven this morning. Stand with me. We're going to do a call to worship this morning, and I'm just going to read it out loud. It's out of uh, the first couple verses of Psalm 63. Um, let me just, for a little show of hands, how many know that you are here because you had a praying mom? Come on, guys. All right, I can't really see out there, but I'm feeling like 95 to almost 100% of this room is here because of a praying mom. So moms, we love you. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, this Psalm 63, the title of this is Joy in the Fellowship of God. Joy in the Fellowship of God. We're going to have some joy this morning. Amen? In the Fellowship of God. And it reads like this. It says, Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. So just raise your hands this morning. Father, we just come before you. We worship you. We thank you. We glorify you. Father, we thank you for our moms. Lord, we thank you for our families. Father, we thank you most of all for who you are, for your goodness and your faithfulness, that you will never leave us and you never forsake us. And so, Father, we come into the house of the Lord today, worshiping you with joy, with thanksgiving. And we give you all the honor and the praise and the glory forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Let's worship.
love that Andy was talking about faithfulness because I just feel the weight of God's faithfulness. And it's not like a heavy weight, it's like a freeing weight. And I just have this like, this such a strong sense all week I've been having it, is that God is just wanting us to just lay down burden, shame, guilt, whatever it is that is keeping you from getting to Jesus. Uh, he just, he wants to show you that he's faithful to bring it to pass and that he's faithful to bring you out of it. So whatever it is that is keeping you from entering into that, that space of faithfulness, keeping you from getting to Jesus, I think God's just asking us, so he's imploring today to just, just let it go and lay it down. So a little backstory to what I'm about to read, because I think you guys, everyone needs to hear this, including myself, was uh, Elle had texted a little bit about what she had felt the Lord was really doing and working on for us as a church, about laying our burdens down. So I came a little early today, and I'm walking across the parking lot, bringing some things in, and Steve, our drummer back here, says, hey, Pastor Jason. I really just, I read this thing this morning and it really just caught my eye. It just caught my attention. The Holy Spirit just kind of moved inside of me. It was about Jesus being kind of our burden bearer and our burden buster. And they're laying down our burdens and he will take care of those. And I just, I literally, as he can attest, I stopped at the door. Because we met right at the front door. I was like, wait, what? I was like, this is confirmation from what El had said. He goes, well, I was reading it in this book. And he's like, I have it right here. I said, Steve, give me that book right now. <laughs> so I grabbed the book from him. And I don't even know what book it was. So the book is called Christ in Every Book of the Bible. And it's written by Oral Roberts. And the one that he read this morning was this. It's, it comes out of Amos in the Old Testament. It says, he is our burden bearer. It says, woe to them that are at ease, Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria cried the prophet Amos. See, no one seemed to care about God or his work. Even the priests did not want Amos to prophesy God's warning to the people of the destruction and heartache that would come to them because of their sins. But Amos, a young shepherd, had his commission straight from God, and he would not keep quiet. Amos's great concern for his people's spiritual condition was real, as a real burden on his heart. And he became their burden bearer and prayed for God to spare them. Jesus Christ is described as our burden bearer. Isaiah 53, 4 says this, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The sins and heartaches of this world were upon him when he went to the cross and paid humanity's sin debt. He proved how very much he loves us. Jesus walked every foot of life as a man, facing the same type of human needs and frustrations that you and I do. 
It was in that arena of struggle that he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The good news of Christ's gospel is that we don't have to struggle under the load of life's burdens, trying to handle them all by ourselves. Jesus had made yokes for, for years for oxen in his father's carpentry shop. In the scripture, it seems that he may have been referring to a way of breaking a young oxen into a yoke. They would often, listen to this, they would often place the young oak, the young ox, in the yoke next to the stronger, more mature ox. This way, the young ox carried some of the load, but the strain is not as heavy because the stronger, the older ox pulled the heavy parts of the load. Christ's yoke is easy and his burden is light because he carries the heavy end. Amen? So I would encourage you this morning, we're about to come forward and get our communion elements. Whatever burden, whatever yoke, whatever, whatever you came in with, I would encourage you to leave it at your seat. Just leave it there. Leave it there. And when you come up and you grab those communion elements, just thank him. Why do you love him? Thank him for what he's doing. Thank him for being your burden bearer. Thank him for being your burden buster. Thank him for carrying the load that you could not carry on your own. And when you circle back and get back to your seats, don't pick that burden back up. We're going to leave it for him, and we're going to leave it at the altar this morning. Amen? So as you come to the communion table, I uh, just want to come down these center aisles here, grab your elements, and then circle back to your seat. Two-cup system, and then the gluten-free ones are in the small plate in the middle. So come forward and then hold on to your elements, and we'll take them as a church family in a minute. There's a scripture, and I don't remember exactly where it's at, but it talks about Christ being the cornerstone, and that that cornerstone is the strongest of the stones, and it's placed in the right spot. And the scripture talks about how that cornerstone is really, it crushes us in this good way. As El was saying, like that heaviness, it crushes all the other things that are not of him and puts them to the side, and we have to rely completely and totally on him, our cornerstone. So now that everyone's lighter as you circle back to your seat without that burden, let's just take a moment and just reflect on who he is, what he's done, his goodness and his faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Father, we thank you. Father, we worship you. Jesus, we thank you. Your body broken, your blood shed for our burdens. That we don't have to lift them or carry them all by ourselves.
Father, we've already released those burdens to you, Father, and we just strengthen us to continue to allow them to be released. And Lord, we just, as we take these communion elements, we are sealing before you the commitment to not pick them back up. But Father, trust in you. Trust in you. For you paved the way. Bible says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake. same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes let us partake father we worship you we thank you we give you glory and honor today. Lord, you will ever be on our lips. We sing praises to you, Lord. We celebrate you in the house of the Lord today. Father, we worship you in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Stand with me. We're going to continue to worship. The altar is open. As we sing this song, uh, it's Great Are You, Lord. It's another song of praise. And when it comes to laying down our burdens the best way really is to come to him in praise and to magnify his name and as we make him magnificent and big in our eyes and with our words all those burdens will fade they become small they become anthills so whatever your burden is loneliness fear worry family situation a desire that you're longing for, that you just don't know if you have patience to wait for anymore, whatever it may be. This is our moment together, to do it together, to let the Lord encourage us together and for us to encourage one another. So, Father, we come before you and we worship you and we praise you as we sing this next song. We lift our hearts to you and our burdens, just as we learned just heard from Pastor Jason and from your word. We honor you. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. This morning, and the Lord kind of just confirmed it as I was up here. He wants you to know something this morning. How many of you it's good to know something? This is a truth, a truth that nobody in this world can take away from you. How many want to know what that truth is? <laughs> and the Lord said this morning that those who have made Jesus their Lord and Savior 
are part of the family of God. And as he was talking to me, like, I know we say that a lot, and we're just like, yeah, you know, I'm part of God's family. I, I want you to understand it this morning. You are part of God's family. You understand that? You are part of his family. And I was like, Lord, how do I communicate this? How can I communicate this? And the Lord was just like, look, if you got two phone calls at the exact time, and there were two people who were in a state of emergency, and it was one person who you didn't really know all that well, and they were kind of, you know, on the outskirts of a relationship with you, and the other phone call was from your daughter. What would you, which one would you go address? Which one would you drop everything for and go running for to go help out that person in time of need? And it was my daughter, shockingly. And the Lord just really said, it's because she's part of your family. It's because she is a blood relative. It's because you share the same DNA, the same blood. And this morning, church, I'm telling you that you share the same DNA with the Lord God Almighty. And he is part of your family and you are in his family. And when there is a need and a concern and a burden and you call him, he will answer. And he does come and he comes running to the rescue. Because you are literally in a blood covenant with God himself. The cross, the price that you've paid, the blood that was shed, makes it now so that we can be in a covenant of family, of family. And it doesn't matter if you came from a strong family or a dysfunctional family, if you had a great mom, if you had a terrible mom, if you don't even know your mom, it doesn't matter because now, I mean, it matters. But in this case, in this situation, right now, this morning, for the next minute, you need to get in your heart that you are part of God's family. He is your parent. He is the one who provides. He is the one who is there for you. He is the one that you call in an emergency because you share the same DNA. Because when you receive Jesus and you receive God into you, it transforms you. It literally changes your spiritual DNA. Your spiritual DNA. You are now part of the family of God. Amen? Amen. What a great revelation. Father, we just thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your word says that behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. So, Lord, we thank you this morning that we are your children, that we are part of your family, that you are the greatest parent greatest example, the one who loves so much that you would lay down your life for us. And so we thank you that we are part of your family this morning, that we share your DNA, 
We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we move into a time of greeting one another, um, if this is your first time here, we welcome you. Um, we love to worship the Lord uh, with our family, with new people, with um, our every week family. Uh, if it's your first time on the seat back, there's a connection card. Uh, if you could put your name and that you're first timer, that lets us know that you were here. Um, we can send you an email that links you up with our website and um, if you want any information. Um, also, that's where praise reports, prayer requests go. Uh, those connection cards come up. There's, there'll be two offering buckets up here for you to bring your tithes, your offerings, your giving, your connection cards. And then we'll also take about five to eight minutes to greet one another. If you are a kid, ECF kids, you know Kid Corner. If you're a guest with kids, Kid Corner is right over there. And we have... Um, we just have some stuff for the kids to be able to sit and enjoy the rest of the service. And church, let me tell you, I had a testimony about um, how while sitting there drawing, this child was listening. And the, this mom was astounded. She was just like, it was amazing. Like, she heard you. She was listening while she was drawing. And I was like, yes, yes. And it's like the secret all homeschool moms know is you put on an audiobook and you let them play Legos and they learn. And this vocabulary comes into their knowing and they, your kids end up super smart and you just like, I just let them play Legos and put great, great literature on. Um, so, I mean, it's, I don't know, if, I'm sure teachers know it too, but boy, when you're a homeschool mom and you're like schooling multiple kids and laundry and all the stuff's all at once, you need to come up with these ways. So kids are listening so we can be excited that God's reaching every single person who comes into his presence and comes hungry and comes wanting. So let's greet one another, let's love on one another, and then we'll come back together for the word. church. Hello. Happy Mother's Day. Yes. You know, I love, I say Happy Mother's Day and many people say Happy Mother's Day back to me. And I will say, you know, being a father, there are some things that, you know, we do, but I'll tell you what, moms, God bless you. Ma, so here's a funny story. I'll say uh, for uh, so in a minute, uh, I'm going to invite Pastor Liz up. She's got an amazing message the Lord has put on her heart here for Mother's Day, and I'm excited to hear what she has to say. But I came in, I was just like, I just wasn't even thinking. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, my wife is going to preach on Mother's Day. Like, like she, she should get a day off, right? I mean, she should get a day off. And I came in, and I said that, and Glenn back there in the AV booth, he looked at me, he's like, what? It's like, mothers never get a day off. <laughs> And I was like, that is so true. So you never really get a break from motherhood, even if your kids are with you or not with you. It's always on your heart. It's always something you're concerned about and burdened with. So moms, we just want to say thank you. We love you. And uh, we just are so grateful for each and every one of you. Uh, so to celebrate Mother's Day uh, this morning, we are going to have cookies and coffee 
and water, and let me say it again, cookies and coffee and water in that order of priority. It's the cookies, the coffee, then the water, because the water's whatever. So after church, please join us for some time of, what's that, babe? Necessary for living, necessary for mothers, necessary for life uh, is Jesus, and then cookies. So we were going to be having cookies afterwards, uh, service, so please stick around and uh, join us for that. Uh, the next thing I want to mention is uh, next week I'm going to be starting, well, two things are going to happen next week. Uh, the first thing, that, well, I'm going to start a series on the book of Romans. And we're going to do a four-week series uh, on the book of Romans and here's the reason why I'm going to do it, because in our prayer reading guide, I don't know if you follow along with us and pray with us as our Bible reading plan, and I'm not saying you have to, but I would encourage you that th- there's, they're on the back table, pick one of these up on the way out, and it has the Bible reading plan that we as a church are following. There's some New Testament scriptures, some Old Testament scriptures, and there's different things. And it's basically praying through the Bible in a year. You can start whenever you want, and you can pick it up. But this coming, the next couple weeks, we're going to be reading through Romans. And so I thought it would be good that if you're reading through Romans, what if we were preaching on Romans? And so things the Lord is telling you in your quiet time with the Lord can also kind of be uh, talked about and learned more from on a Sunday morning for the next couple weeks. So we're going to do that for about four or five weeks, and it follows right along the Bible reading plan. So by next Sunday... The reading plan says you will have read Romans 1, 2, and 3. So if you're not following this Bible reading plan, read Romans 1, 2, and 3 before next Sunday, and my message next week will come out of Romans 1, 2, or 3. I believe it's Romans 1. Oh, a challenge. Maybe you can figure out what scripture or passage of scripture that I'll be preaching from next week. So you guys can try to do that. Uh, So that'll be starting next week. And then also next week... Uh, he will not be, uh, Merle and Sue are going to be coming here. Pastor Merle and Sue Shank, whew, they're on the screen behind us. Uh, we absolutely love them. He's not speaking, she's not speaking, but they are going to come and join us. They are part of the executive leadership team at One Focus Network. Uh, you remember Pastor Jack and Trish were here last summer. So Pastor Merle and Sue are going to be coming. They are senior pastors at Grace Covenant Church in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And they are the church that, whenever when we say we're going to Virginia for a conference, hey, we're going to Virginia for a conference, we go to their church. They're the ones that host the conference for One Focus Network. Uh, and so he is part of the executive leadership team. And if you don't know what One Focus Network is, it is an apostolic spiritual covering over this church. So we're in this network of churches. Uh, They don't have any say necessarily at the church in that way. They're not part of the eldership team at all. But they are our apostolic spiritual covering. So when we have an issue or a challenge, you know who I call? Well, we call on the Lord. We've already talked about that. But in, in person, who do we call? I call Pastor Jim, our founding pastor. I call Pastor Merle. We call Grubby or Pastor Jack. Those are the people that we come in contact with and who really help us and mentor us and coach us through. So they're coming to visit us to be a blessing. I'm sure he'll say a few things about the network, but we're going to really excited. So next week, read Romans 1 through 3, and then we're going to welcome uh, Pastor Merle and Sue Shank. Uh, turn with me to Proverbs 24. I'm going to do the offering scripture here. We'll pray over the offering, and then we'll have Pastor Liz come up. Um, you know, I don't normally use the NIV for scriptures, 
for anything really. Uh, but I am using it for this one because I found it very interesting that we're in spring. Yeah? How many know we are in spring? It may be 30 degrees outside this morning when you woke up, but it's spring. It's Mother's Day. It's spring, okay? There's flowers and stuff. Look at this. Put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. And the Lord really spoke to me. One, he spoke to us a couple times about getting our house in order. But I believe this is a kind of a prophetic word for us as a church, Erie Christian Fellowship Church. We are literally getting stuff in order on the outside. And we're going to begin to see the Lord do a great move and a great work. And he is going to build the house. It says those who build a house on their own labor, what? In vain. But when we build the house with the Lord, and the Lord is the one who builds the house, there is victory, there is blessing, there is all the things that begin to come with the Lord building the house. So I just feel like the Lord has like a prophetic word for us along those lines in this springtime, springtime that we are preparing literally the outside of the building, and he is working to prepare the inside, first of our hearts, first of our hearts, and then of this church, even this campus, and this church family that God has given his life for. And at the break, I'll just close it with this, is I was talking to Janet in the back, and she said that she felt how in the Bible, in the Old Testament, Moses got the instructions of the tabernacle, you know, the outside, the inside, and then the inner courts, and the, in the actual where God's presence was. And she sensed that here on this campus, that there was an outside, and there was the inside, and then there was his presence right here right at Erie Christian Fellowship Church. And that goes with confirmation with somebody else's word from this morning. So I'm ex- how many are excited what God is doing in this area and in our church? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you are putting things in order. Lord, and that our labor is not in vain because we are working alongside you. Lord, and that you are the one that builds your house. Father, I thank you for all the things you are doing here at ECF and in Erie County, Lord as you are bringing churches together and partnering together to do your work and to see the lost saved, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that lives are being transformed. Father, we pray a blessing over every gift, every giver this morning. We give you all the honor and the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right, church. It is an honor to give the message on Mother's Day. I'm super excited. I have a new appreciation for what my husband does week in and week out. I think that was his secret plan. I'm just going to say. I think, I think his secret plan was uh, to bring me into a knowledge of what it is to uh, prepare the message for the week. Because uh, I'm always like, oh, God gives you the message. You're, you know, oh, it's just the anointing. Yeah. And then, you know, some preparation. Um, So I do have a great appreciation for Pastor Jason, for his leadership uh, in this place um, to pastor and lead alongside of him. And I know Pastor Andy would echo this. I mean, he just is a man who knows how to love. He's a man who is humble and knows how to seek God. And um, to be led by him is, uh, it's just a, a, it's easy. It's easy to submit to a leader who leads like Jesus. Um, and then that also then goes double down for our home. 
um, it's easy to submit to a man who loves like Jesus. So I am thankful for him. Um, last week was a little bit of a of a precursor to this week. Last week, the Holy Spirit was just leading, and um, we were just following his lead. It wasn't planned. It wasn't um, that uh, I spent a lot of the the service time giving testimony. So if you listen to that, you know more about me than you knew before. Um, and I think that God was kind of preparing the way. And then I love what was happening this morning um, because uh, Andy, uh, Pastor Andy up here sharing, uh, I was up in the Rose Center just in prayer this morning and I had my notes, you know, and then I just like scrolled across the top of the page, his faithfulness. God is faithful, church. And when God has a message to bring, he gonna bring it. And when there's unity in leadership, he's going to spread it thick amongst the three of us, right? It brings confirmation. It brings authority. It brings validity to the word. Uh, so we can rest on it. We can stand on it. Um, and his faithfulness is kind of the foundation of all the things, of all the things. So um, last week I talked about hearing from the Holy Spirit. A lot of my testimony was just about how God taught me, how he grew me up um, to hear his voice. He grew me up not just to hear his voice, but then to trust and obey. Um, and I gave in the testimony like a little bit of my starting place in life. And it was, I mean, I was a project. I was a project, like how, I, I just can imagine the father going, okay, we're going to have to be real strategic about how we get this girl's heart. She's got it locked down, locked down and safe. Uh, and so he was strategic in his love for me in getting to my heart. He wants our heart. Um, I loved this morning about the yoke, uh, the burden bearing. Okay, so today's Mother's Day. Moms are burden bearers. That is what we do. That is what we do. We bear burdens. And so this picture of the yoke, none of this is in my notes. I just love this. The picture of, um, of, the, of the strong ox carrying the burden, that is Jesus, right? And then you have moms and dads and the family, right? And he lightens the load. But then you have kids, like on the end, they're just swinging and having a grand time. As, as we're like, we are laboring, co-laboring with, with Christ and with the Father, and he's doing all the heavy lifting. But we are co-laboring alongside of, of them. And then, uh, yeah, them, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then our children are watching us. And so um, my message today is called, Don't Panic, It's Organic. <laughs> parenting is organic discipleship. I'm going to talk about parenting today, but what I'm talking about, church, is discipleship, okay? So if you're not in your parenting years, if you're not in your parenting phase, don't, don't check out, okay? I'm not talking just to moms by any stretch of the imagination. I'm talking to moms and dads. I'm talking to grandparents. I'm talking to those who want to take up the Great Commission— baptizing and teaching, and growing up believers in Christ. That is the Great Commission. That is our purpose. That, that is our mission. And it's clear. It's clear. It's in Matthew 28. It's clear. And so what I'm going to talk about today is this 
organic discipleship, which is parenting, okay, because you're growing it organically, growing that disciple up organically. But a lot of the principles and a lot of the points that I talk about, I'm going to be talking about and sharing, they apply to growing up disciples. And then we should all have people that we're pouring into, that we're growing up in Christ. Um, some of the things, you know, when I, when I get into obedience and discipline, you know, I meet with a few women each week, and that is discipleship. I don't discipline them because I'm not their mama. But I do bring them into relationship with Christ, and he lovingly guides, corrects, disciplines us into relationship. And so I model that for them. I tell them stories of how I thought the Holy Spirit was leading me, but really it wasn't, and this happened, and then I learned, you know, those stories. So I love this morning that God has kind of prepared us and prepared our hearts for this message that he's given me to share with that picture of the yoke. Because the title of the message, Don't Panic, It's Organic. If it wasn't for Christ, panic. If you're not walking with Jesus, there's nothing that would throw me in a panic more than raising up children. Um, parenting is this, it's this high call. Discipleship is a high call. Uh, Organic means characterized by continuous or natural development, organic growth. When God called me into motherhood, and he did call me into motherhood, he gave me a vision. Um, I was 16 years old. I did not have an example of a loving, stable, steady home. Uh, my parents loved me, and they were, they were just a hot mess. And so I suffered under their issues and their mess. It just kind of leaked out on me. And so God captured me, and I shared a lot of this last week. He got to me by, because I'm a dreamer. So he's like, let's give this girl a dream that's rooted and grounded in me. And so I latched on to that dream with both hands, and he grew my faith. And I knew that with, without him, it wouldn't be possible. So when I came into this calling of motherhood, I was desperate not to fail. That was my big goal. That was my big goal in mothering. Jason used to be like, honey, you need a better goal. And I say here now, 20 years, I've been mothering for 20 years, and I have a four-year-old, and a seven-year-old, and a nine-year-old, and a 10-year-old. So, um, but I can, I can firmly say 20 years in, not messing up, that's a perfectly fine goal. That's, that's a fine goal. I, I went to the Lord, and I was just desperate to do well, to be a success, to communicate to my kids that they were loved and valued, and to show them Jesus, okay? To show them Jesus. I knew that having good ideas from the world was never going to be enough, because I knew what a hot mess I was without Jesus. And even, goodness gracious, with Jesus. Come on now. He works over time. He works. There's days I wake up, now I'm a hot mess. And I think that applies to all honest people. And we just run to Jesus. So, um, so yeah, I was panicking. I was panicking. And so what I needed to do is, one, I needed to remember his faithfulness. At that point in my walk, I actually wasn't mature enough, really. I hadn't, like, I hadn't, hadn't, like, landed on God is faithful always. I hadn't really, that truth wasn't as planted in my heart as it is today. But I remembered, okay, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to do what disciples do. Okay? I'm going to do what disciples do. Disciples accept the commission. They say, okay, I hear you. I'm in it to win it. 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to make disciples. I'm going to put in the time. I'm going to put in the effort. I'm going to put in the money. You want to know if something's a priority in your life? It's where you spend your time. It's where you put your effort. It's where you spend your money. Okay? Uh, that's how you know what a priority is in your life. And I accepted the fact that only I could do it. I've, in 20 years of mothering or 20 years of parenting, there have been moments where I've, I've actually said, they deserve better. I am failing this gig and they would be better off without me. Not only did I say it, I meant it, I felt it to my very core. That's called deep discouragement. That's called dark seasons. Every mom has those seasons. I'm I'm thinking every dad has those seasons as as a leader in their home. Those seasons will pass. Look to Jesus, cling to Jesus. Those seasons will pass. But what I had to come to accept is, that's, that's not true. Only I can do this. Nobody can mother my children. No one can disciple my children better than I can. So who has God put in your life to disciple? No one can do it like you can do it. Uh, the next thing I did was invite Jesus in. Um, in John 2, it's like my favorite, one of my favorite um, stories of Jesus where he turns the water into wine. So much wine. Awesome, Jesus. Um, But Mary said to the servants, she said, do whatever he says. So number one, Jesus was invited to the wedding. He he could have never done the miracle if he hadn't been invited because he wouldn't have just shown up. He wouldn't have been a wedding crasher. So he was invited. So I invite him into my parenting. I invite him into my marriage. I invite him into into this ministry. I invite him into every boat that he puts me in and then calls me out of. I get comfy in a boat, like, okay, I can be Pastor Liz. I got this. Then he calls me out of my boat and says, you know, prophesy, preach, <laughs> do these other things. Um, but I invite Jesus in to this discipleship process, and I commit myself to do whatever he said, because very early on I knew if I followed my own ideas that I was going to fail, and they were too important. Anna, Grace, Lila, Eva, Jairus, Ruby, Noel, Maggie. I feel like I missed one. I got them all? Okay. They were too important. They were too valuable. They're so valuable. This is eternal work, and I knew I was being called to eternal work. Discipleship is eternal work. Okay? It's important. So I had to cry out to him. And I knew my enemies were fear, worry, and pride. I knew what was going to keep me And get in my way was fear, worry, and pride. I knew I could not disciple my children out of fear, out of worry, and out of pride. Because it would keep me from success. I wanted success. My goal, I am um, on, what is that called? I'm a straight D. The DISC assessment. This is not my shtick, but I'm married to a man who loves all of these assessments and these leadership tools and stuff. I am a straight D. That means goal. Like, I am a goal person. Sometimes I come into work and I'm just like, if I keep my eyes down, I won't have to talk to anyone. I can get to my office because I have these goals. Um, and Jason is always shaking hands and kissing babies, you know, because he's a straight S. He's a straight support guy. We, get, we work so well together. And he reminds me <laughs> to, you know, ease up. So I knew my enemies and I wanted success I wanted success in discipleship. I wanted to win. I still want to win. 
I want to blow, I want to blow God away. I want to blow my father away. I don't want to just do okay. I want to get there and be like, and be like, girl, you rocked it. You rocked it. That's my goal with my kids, my marriage, ministry, and all things. So I refuse to parent for my own reasoning, my own thinking, and my own experience. I refuse to parent from parenting blogs and mommy blogs. Um, I refuse to parent out of those things. And I cried out to Jesus, knowing that without him I could do nothing. Discipleship and parenting are a call to love as Jesus loved. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. Jesus is our example. And as we walk this out, as we walk this out, this preparation to take on this high calling of discipleship and to say, okay, Lord, show me, we, we have constant contact with the Father. It's the only way. We, we grow. We grow in faith. We learn how to trust him. It's why you all sit here each week, week in and week out, and you listen to the wisdom and the words of those God has put in authority over this body of believers to pour out, to pour into you, to pour into you. I mean, Pastor Jason is constantly encouraging you, get in the word and do this for yourself. This isn't magic. You don't need a degree to get into the, in the, into the word and like feed off of the wisdom of God. And the Holy Spirit will come when you invite him and he will be your teacher. He will be your teacher. So you grow in the word and worship and prayer. You hear, you learn to hear and obey the Holy Spirit. I talked a lot about that last week. And you do all of this openly. You do all of this honestly, and you do it all right in front of your kids and right in front of those people that you're discipling. You don't shine it up. Don't hide it. Don't, don't, you don't have to have it all together to grow people up in Christ as he's growing you up in him. So do it openly in front of your children Without, okay, there's a little caveat here, without leaking your pain onto them, without leaking your issues onto them, okay? Um, that's kind of how I've reconciled my childhood. I, I love my parents. I know that they loved me. But wow, their pain, their issues, their struggles, I was not protected from those at all. It was like tsunami town. And I didn't, there was, I know that they worked hard to protect me, but I think the storm was so much that wow, did I get, I got blown and tossed. And my goal coming in to parenting and to discipling my kids was, one of my big goals was one, to not screw them up, was two, I didn't want my pain to define them. I didn't want it to leak onto them. So that was one of the cries of my heart in prayer to the Lord. So I cry out to the Lord, be open and honest in front of your children, but we look to Jesus. So here's where the meat of my message is coming. I'm getting there. We look to Jesus. I don't, like I said, I don't want to look to the mom blogs. I don't want to look, I, I won't look anywhere else. I'll only look to Jesus. And when I hear a message even today, don't take what I write down and like turn it into gospel, except that it's coming straight from the gospel. Go into the gospel yourself. Jesus is our, he is our example. Always, always our example. Don't lift people up to be examples for your kids. Um, like they're perfect. They're not Jesus. They're not Jesus. Um, so we go right to Jesus. Uh, and when we look to him, we see that he discipled, he discipled men and women. He came, okay, right? There's the gospel. That's the gospel. He came. He came for us. He discipled men and women 
And through the word, he's discipling us and he's growing us up. And discipleship begins and it ends with love. He came because God so loved. He died and he conquered death and he suffered unimaginably because of love. So we, ha- we don't have to panic at the Great Commission. We don't have to panic at, at parenting and where we're at in our parenting and this, this great calling because he's for us, he's with us, and he's given us the example in his word. Um, so if you want to turn with me, we're going to go to John chapter 15, um, and we're going to start in verse 9. My husband gave me some pointers in preparing a message. He's like, you know, take your Bible, but print the words right here in your notes really big so you don't have to use your glasses on and off, on and off. He's got some, he's got some good tips. In John 15, so where we're at in the scriptures is um, starting back, and I'm not going to read all of this, but starting back in um, first, or chapter 13, I'm, I'm feeling like we're at the Last Supper. Chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, this is all Jesus speaking, and he's having this final meal with his disciples. I mean, talk about an awesome service, man. He is pouring it out because from here, he goes to the garden. He is about, I mean, it's, this is it. This is it. This is the last time he's going to be able to pour into them the way he has been because then he's going to turn and he's going to begin his, the ministry of suffering, the ministry of doing and suffering. So these chapters in John are just filled with gold. Uh, Pastor Jason, two weeks ago, um, was preaching about the promised gift of the Holy Spirit and how it's better that Jesus go so that the Holy Spirit can come. Um, And then when you get into chapter 15, it's about, I am the vine and you are the branches. We have to be connected to the Father to do anything, to do anything at all. Um, And then in the passage that I'm going to talk about today, you know, I have a heading in my Bible. It says, it's interesting. It says, love and joy perfected. And that's the passage we're going, to work, we're going to talk about today, verse 9 through 17. And then the next, but the next set of scriptures says the world's hatred. And I'm like, ooh, ouch. And then, and then the next set, the heading is the coming rejection. Ah, like, that's not awesome. That's not awesome. So it's interesting to me, like, this, this is his last bit as he's preparing them for the world's hatred and the coming rejection. When you're raising up disciples in this day, okay, a new, uh, someone who comes to Christ today is going to face a whole different reality than you faced coming to Christ and walking that out. My children were born for this time. And the preparation that I am called to, to pour into them and to do for them, it is specific for what they're going to face. And I am looking here to this example so that they're ready. Jesus did not leave his disciples unprepared. He did not leave them hanging. They were not lacking. Gosh, I got to hurry up. Got to get going. All right. So we're in John 15, verse 9. It says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. There it is. It starts with love. So Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, disciples, I have also loved you. So I look to those that I disciple. My children are, my children are the main people I disciple. So that, that is what it is. You can only disciple so many people. Twelve seems like a good number. Yeah, seems like a good number. I've got eight. So I've got spaces for four as Pastor Liz. Sign up. No, I'm just kidding. Those spaces. I actually feel there's only a certain number of people you can pour your life into. Um, I look to my children. I say, guys, 
God, as God has shown me and loved me, I'm going to love you. We point them to the Father. That's what, may, that's what discipleship is. That's step one. You point them to the Father. The fa- you point them to the Father's love. The Father's love says you are wanted. You are valued. You are important. You're safe. You're protected. You are secure. You are enough. You matter to me. Your feelings matter to me. Your experiences in this world matter to me. I'm on your side. I will always help you. The Father says to us, I'm on your side. I will always help you. I love you just as you are. So my question this morning for parents, do your kids know? Do your kids know these things? Are you communicating them intentionally to your children? God left no room for doubt. Well, there should be no room for doubt. Thank God for his mercy and his patience with me. He left no room for doubt. He spilled the blood of his son to show us his love. That was the whole reason he did it, to show us his love and to bring us to himself. There was no other way. It wasn't an easy way. We are not called to an easy life. You sign up for all the blessing and the glories of Christ. You're not signing up for easy. He left no room for doubt. So I'm telling you right now, leave no room for doubt in the the lives of your children. In the lives of those that you are drawing up into Christ, leave no doubt of their value and their worth. They are eternally valuable to God. Jason and I had a conversation. We had three children, three little girls. Man, and I was rocking life. We were doing good. He worked at GE. We had enough money. Our marriage was great. I had these three girls. I felt called to homeschool after I said I would never homeschool. Um, And everything was great, but I knew I was full up. I know my limits. I was full up. So I was good, you know, but I was kind of at my limit. So we had this conversation that I reference often. It's the conversation. And I remember saying to him, listen, I'm full up. I love these kids. I adore them. Everything's, I love my life. I cook every night. I'm home. I'm baking bread. We're, we're doing life. It's great. I said, but we need to be done having kids. Or you need to work less and help more. And the conversation was the dividing line between our roles, our in-home duties needed to dissolve. I was happy to, to fulfill all of those traditional wife roles. I wanted those. Okay, they weren't thrust upon me, man. Before we were even married, I told him, man, I want to cook. I want to clean. I just want to be that 1950s housewife. And I was. But the reality of it is, you know, that's not really totally in the Bible. I mean, you, don't, you won't find a scripture that outlines that, that women are... You know, that that's how that's supposed to go, um, concretely, okay? So we had this conversation, and I said, so we can be done and have these three kids, or you can work less and make some changes, and we can go big, because I'll have as many kids as you want to have. Um, because I did, feel, I felt blessed. We had an anointing, goodness, for just pregnancy and labor and childbirth. It was just all very anointed. Um, and the key to this conversation was sleep. I just need to sleep, Jason, I said. I just need to sleep. 
Um, I, I require sleep, and when I get up in the middle of the night to find Lila's binky, I'm awake for two hours making grocery lists in my head, whereas he falls asleep in under 35 seconds, no matter the situation. So I, what I said to him, I was like, listen, I know he was working at GE, and he's a high-level, high-level executive at GE, and I knew he needed sleep too, and that's why I had pushed myself to this level of sleep deprivation in pursuit of my glorious 1950s role that I wanted to fulfill. And I said to him, listen to me. I said, what the Lord showed me is this. I am writing on the book, on the pages of their lives in permanent marker. I am their mom. And if I don't get more sleep, I'm harsh. I tend to lose my temper. I tend to be emotional and cry more. I was like, I need to sleep. I said, I am writing on the pages of their life in permanent marker. I said, if you go to work sleep deprived and lose it on a 51-year-old man, he's not going to need therapy. You're not going to damage his his tender heart. So I'm thinking that if we want to have more kids, you need to commit to being the one who goes without sleep. And I'm not sure how long it took him, like a blink or two. He's like, nope, we're going to go big. And he began making changes at GE, began changing his work hours. And that dividing line, that that kind of dividing veil fell, meaning middle of the night puke, this guy right here, poopy diapers, he's probably changed more than I have. Because when we had the conversation, I meant it, I meant it, and it had had repercussions. Um, So we have eight kids, and it is is a 50-50 deal at best. I do get days off in my house. I do. So does he. Ish. Ish. He's bath man. He's bedtime man. I mean, he is full in. All of this is to say is that my kids and I, we took up this call that they're infinitely valuable. And we, we adjusted our life. We had a conversation. How do we accommodate this? How do we do what is best for them? Um, I communicate value to my kids by treating them like whole people. They're important. They're so important. And if that's true, then that's going to influence how I treat them, which means if I'm having a conversation with Maggie Mae, who's four years old, and Miss Maureen comes up and wants to talk to me, I'll do this. So here comes Maureen, and I'm talking to Maggie about four-year-old things. Okay, but she's just telling me some things. I'll look at Maureen, and I'll just be like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, okay, honey. Okay, I'm going to talk to Miss Maureen now, okay? Thank you so much for telling me that. I don't just, and the Holy Spirit told me this. The Lord taught me this because I used to do talking to probably little Anna or little Grace. You learn on the first ones. Talking to them, oh, hey, Maureen, what's up? Right? They're mid-sentence. This little person, this little whole person sharing their heart with me, even if it's not super important in like the grand scheme, it's important to them. And I would just whoop, take my attention right I would whip it right away from them. I would never do that to Maureen. So let's imagine this scenario. Maureen comes up, and we're talking, we're talking. And, you know, someone else comes up, and Maureen's just mid-sentence. And I'm just like, hey, what's up? What do you need? And just totally turn away. We do this to our kids all the time if we're not intentional about not doing it. And it communicates a lack of value. So there's these little things. If you ask the Holy Spirit, how can I communicate value to my children? That's just easy right there, is don't, don't interrupt them. Listen when they're talking to you. Treat them with honor and respect. Respect some things. Yeah, respect that my kids, that their hair is their own. Jairus has long hair. 
like in the front. I always love it. Like I always loved it when it was short, but he wanted it long. And I was just like, well, you know, within reason, so long as you take care of it and you look clean, it's your hair. So there's some things that I could because I am, I have the power. I'm the mom. I've got power, but I don't wield it over them. Okay. They have value. We, God, God counted us as valuable enough to send his son. Oh, there's no way I'm going to get through this. Um, oh, what a stinker. What a stinker. There's so much good stuff in here. Okay. Communicate value because we look to the Father and he gives us value. How my children experience life matters to me. It's not, well, I, I bought you all these Christmas presents. It's not my problem if you're miserable. It is your problem. It's very much your problem. Honey, what's going on? Why are you acting this way? Something wrong? You're my sweet boy. Why, why, why are you upset? What, why are you sad on Christmas Day, buddy? It's a whole different response from, well, I gave you all these Christmas. You know how hard I worked for Christmas. What's your problem? God doesn't ever look, he doesn't ever look at me and ask me what my problem is like. He never talks to me that way, ever, ever. And so I took it upon myself to literally love my kids the way Jesus loved them. Now, you know why I spent so much time in the beginning of this talking about crying out to God, help me, help me. So we have to weigh that out in our parenting. Um, we have to weigh that out in our discipleship. In, we're going to move to verse 10. It says, well, at the end of verse 9, I didn't finish. It says, abide in my love. So how do we abide in his love? That goes into verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus modeled obedience. And then he expected obedience. Obedience is the calling of every child of God. Obedience is the work of every child. It's their calling. Obedience to parents. It's important, expected, we train them up to choose obedience. It says train a child up in the way they should go. Okay, that's very vague. So I look to Jesus. <laughs> train them up to choose obedience. Why? And I, I talked a lot about this when we launched nursery. So those of you who serve in the nursery, you've already heard a little bit about this. Obedience is a choice. Church, you don't have to obey God. Have you ever heard anyone say that in a message? You don't have to obey God. You don't have to follow Jesus. He's given you the option because he is not a puppet master and a task master, and he doesn't want to be your master. He wants to be your father. Obedience is a choice. They don't have to obey. They need to know that. And you have to tell them why they're going to obey. Because just like I could, I could force my will on Jairus in the length of his hair, I can force my kids to obey. I can, I can force compliance from them. I can withhold screen time. I can withhold, you know, any food of, of taste. You know, I mean, I could be a prison warden if that's the way we wanted to go. That's not how Jesus did it. We don't punish our kids to get compliance. Compliance masquerades as obedience. There's a lot of that in the church. There's a lot of that. And it leads it leads to an untrusting and rebellious heart. It's rules without relationship. I, can, I could get my kids to share on command, 
but what if it's hurting them on the inside? What if they don't understand? What if they're not ready yet? And I have some kids who are willing sharers. Take it all. And then I have other kids who take it all <laughs> and hide it all and keep it all. They need to be talked to and they need to be parented in different ways. They need to be, my goal is to bring their heart into a giving and generous space. That's going to take more time for one than the other. I'm okay with that because I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid that they're going to be selfish. That's not my motivation. I have faith that I'm going to get them there. And if it takes years Honestly, I have faith that by the time they're 30, all will be well. All will be well. Gracie took a nap in her swing for 13 months of her life, past the point of safety. My mom was so worried. Liz, she's never going to learn to sleep in a bed. And I stopped and I went, nope, I think when she's 30, she'll be sleeping in a bed and not in a baby swing. That's like my marker. It is. It's my marker. So I had a kid steal some Legos from the library once. There were all these Lego displays. And they put some Legos in their pocket. I won't say which one. Um, they put Legos in their pocket. Now, fast forward to when they're 30, that could be an issue. Definitely going to address that. You see? I mean, it's just like this little trick I have as a parent of how to know what are the main things to focus on and not the main things. Binkies, they're not going to be 30 years old and sucking their thumb or a binky. I'm not going to sweat it. It's going to be okay. Anyway. Um, obedience is a choice. And then the second thing, obedience flows from love. Guys, if we're going to train them to choose obedience, and if you're discipling people, if we're talking about grown-ups, you've got to teach people that obedience flows from love. It flows from love. Why do you obey? Because you love Jesus. He says it over and over and over. If you love me, you will obey me. Obedience does not flow from punishment. It doesn't flow from fear of hell obedience flows from love. It's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. We must be on their side. We must meet them where they're at and partner with them to get the win. If you tell your two-year-old not to touch the shiny thing and they keep touching it and you smack their hands, you've taught them nothing. Move the shiny thing. They're two. Move it and then praise them for obedience. Yeah, it's totally cheating for their benefit. They didn't obey. You moved it. You made it so they couldn't disobey. Who cares? Good job. You're not touching it. That's true. I told you not to touch it, and you're not. Good job, buddy. They're not because you made it so they couldn't. You're helping them get the win. You're teaching them, oh, I like when they praise me. I want to please them. They're good and kind, and they help me to obey. So we take the training onto ourselves. We train them up into obedience. And we teach them that obedience is about love. I have so many great stories about this. I let one of my kids disobey. And I, sometimes I let them disobey. I give them the choice because obedience is a choice. It means nothing if I'm not willing to put boots to the ground, right? One of them, we were going for a walk. And it was April-ish, April-May. And all of you know, if you're going to wear flip-flops, you know, you got to ease into them for the summer because your feet just aren't ready for the rubbing in the certain places. This little girl, I want to say she was about four or five, and she was a feisty one. She had, she had a lot of pushback on obedience. I had a couple real easy kids, which the first three, actually. Let's have a big family. We're, we're really good at this. So then number four comes out, and she just questions everything. Push back, push back, push back. 
And I told her, I was like, you can't wear flip-flops on the walk. It's going to hurt your feet. You're going to get blisters. There's going to be pain. Change your shoes. I gave her, I mean, I change your shoes. And so I go, and I'm busy, and I'm doing other things. I come back. She didn't change her shoes. She's like, I want to wear flip-flops. Mom, she didn't change her shoes. And is the Holy Spirit just then, well, let her make her choice. Let her make her choice. I said, okay, honey. I said, I'm, I love you. I've been, a, I've been alive a long time. I know about flip-flops. I think they're going to hurt your feet. I think you should trust me. I think you should change your shoes. She doesn't want to. So three quarters of the way around the circle, the tears begin. There is a visible blister already coming. Um, and the tears begin. So what is the response of love? What is the response of discipleship and of training them up? Is it, told you, raise your hand if God ever has spoken to you in your quiet time and said, told you, well, you're going to walk the rest of the way and you're going to feel the pain. God's never said that to me when I've cried out to him with tears. So I went to her. So much of communicating value to children is going to them. So much good parenting happens just by standing up and moving your feet. Lazy parenting happens when you're tired of parenting for 20 years and you're just like yelling, calling it in from the couch. I went to her and I knelt down. I said, baby girl, I told you. (laughs) You need to trust mama. You need to trust me. I didn't want you to change your shoes because I hate flip-flops or I wanted to be difficult. I didn't want you to hurt yourself, and now you have the pain. Climb on my back. And I walked her piggyback all the rest of the way home, and we got a little, all the other girls helped me, got a little tub of water, and we soaked her little feet in cold water. And that girl learned, mom knows what she's talking about. That's trust. Mom is kind and will always help me. It's just trust. Be trustworthy. You want to know what? I wasn't afraid that my kids were going to grow up to be disobedient and horrible. That's why parents get heavy-handed. That's why they get heavy-handed. I don't think it's right that that child is this. You need to. They're afraid. They're afraid that the child is going to grow up and be fill in the blank. There's pride. What are people going to think if they see my kid running through church like a maniac? You know, there's a different reason why your kids shouldn't be running through church. It's, it's in here. I get there eventually. It's about courtesy. It's about drawing them up into loving one another. What, how, does a chi- how does a child, how do you train a child to love others? You train them up in being courteous with their behavior. I mean, my toddlers weren't allowed to scream in restaurants. I mean, one of them bit their tongue once, and that was okay. But they weren't allowed to just cry and cry and cry, because I would tell them very clearly, People did not come here to listen to you crying. I love you. I know you're upset. If you get quiet, we can stay here. If you need time to cry loudly, we will go to the car. Um, Again, I'm here to help you. I'm on your side. I'm I'm in you with this. You're you're making me angry right now, but I'm with you. Let's, Let's walk this out. All right. If you ask an Ackerman why they obey their parents, they will hopefully tell you, number one, I obey my parents because my parents love me and I love them. I have said this to them over and over. You obey because you love. I'm always saying it to them when I'm disciplining them. Not punishing, but disciplining, meaning having a conversation to talk about obedience, repentance, their heart. Um, And I obey my parents because it keeps me safe. 
It's a big one. You obey me. Now that one, sometimes I'm grabbing them out of danger. You obey me because it keeps you safe. We obey God because it keeps us safe. It keeps us safe from the ravages of sin and death and the, the scheming of the enemy, seeking to kill, steal, and destroy. Obedience flows from love, and obedience is a choice. We partner with our kids to bring them into obedience. We use, we use compassionate discipline, sensible discipline, reasonable discipline to bring them to repentance, not punishment to get compliance and get what we want from them. So not the model of Jesus. Obedience is so important. It's so important because the goal of parenting, the goal of parenting is to bring them up to obey the unseen God, to trust an unseen God, and we are teaching them. Do we want them to run to the Lord when they're in trouble? We have to make it so that they can run to us when they're in trouble, which means they're not running into punishment and suffering, although, let me just tell you, that is part of the Christian walk. It's also part of being parented. There is a little bit of suffering, especially when you do naughty things. There's consequences, okay? We do not have a child-run home. We do not have a child-centered home. So in all of this love and uh, compassion and partnering with them, we definitely don't leave them where they're at. We're growing them up because they have a mission. Their mission's the same as ours. If we, um, if we continue on in the, in the scripture, okay, I'm now just flipping pages, skipping around. Um, if we continue in the scripture, it says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be, remain in you and that your joy may be full. Love plus obedience equals joy. In verse 9, he's talking about love. In 10, he talks about obedience. And we get to 11, he's talking about joy. Love plus obedience equals joy when you're growing up with God. The Holy Spirit discipled me. My husband discipled me. That's how I'm here today. But I'll tell you, it was, uh, there was a ton of love, grace, mercy, partnership that went on. So again, I'm talking a lot about parenting stuff, but this is, I was parented. The Holy Spirit taught me how to parent myself with love and gentleness. I'm still working on that part. Love plus obedience equals joy. In verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. So the, the reason why our home and why your relationships in discipling and your home should not be child-centered where they just get to do whatever they want because, you know, you're being gentle and you're being kind and you want to partner with them, you could go too far. The reason there's really firm boundaries is because the goal is that it's not about them. All my, like my love and their value and their worth, it's all there. But it's there almost like the, the base of a trampoline. It's a launching pad. All of that is just like a launching pad. My, I'm not successful if I just love my kids, but don't give them what they need to be effective and to grow in this world and to do the calling, the work of the ministry that God has for them, which is what? To make disciples. This is a cycle, man. I'm teaching them how to come back around and make disciples. To love one another. That's where you talk to your kids about courtesy. I love that word. My kids know if you're not being enjoyable, I mean, this is for real. I made this meal. 
I worked hard on this meal and I understand you do not want to eat your sweet potatoes. You need to stop crying so loudly or you can go upstairs when you're all done feeling sad, you can come back again. You, you cannot stay at my table and fill the air with the noise. It's not enjoyable to the rest of us. They know that their job is to, 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 be, to be loved, but also to be courteous to the people around them. It covers everything. It's the reason, and it's the real reason. Um, kids will obey when there's a real reason, when it's based in truth, not selfishness. I need you to shut up because my head hurts. That is truth probably a lot of the time, but it's not gentle. Um, they will obey when there's truth. And their calling is to be enjoyable to others when they're young and to be courteous, to be obedient to their parents so that they can be useful in their mission for the Lord as grown-ups and they can obey the unseen God. In verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. 15, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Again, this is partnering with your kids. Partner with your kids. Don't lord over them. Jesus doesn't lord over us. Partner with them so that you can launch them into their calling, which is to love one another, which is to make disciples, to have constant contact with the Father, to look like Jesus, to love like Jesus. You're just teaching them to be like you. If you're loving like Jesus, living like Jesus, crying out to God, you're teaching them the process, not the end result. You're not pounding them into an end result so you can kind of check it off like, whew, parenting, done. It won't work. So this cycles back around. It cycles back around. The whole point is so that they can point others to the Father and make disciples of their children, but also of others, and that they do it following Jesus' Jesus's example. And God doesn't fail. So again, I just didn't want to fail. And I knew where to look. I knew where to look. And because I'm like this straight D, get it done. What's the fastest way to get it done and be successful is to look to the word, is to look to Jesus, is to suck it up, grow up, feel the pain and keep walking, be in the dark seasons of motherhood and just hold on to faith, hold on to God, hold on to his goodness, hold on to his word, put my eyes on Jesus, take him off my pain. There's so much. There's so much. We started in verse nine with love. And if you take it if you take it all the way down to verse 17, oh, hold on, let's see. I'm just going to finish reading the passage. In 16, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you that you love one another. The passage begins with love. It ends with love. The gospel begins with love. It ends with love. And I've said to Jason, I am such a love cripple. Like, is that a bad way to say it? I just, like, I just, it was so hard for me to learn how to love and be loved. And God grew me up in this, and he used his word. So this morning, we started by talking about faithfulness. I just want to tell you that wherever you are in your parenting, 
You may, have, you may be at the end of it looking back being like, well, I didn't do that well. God is faithful. God is so faithful. And you can, you can meet your children where they're at now. You can meet your grown-up kids where they are now. You can start now to communicate value to them now. It's never too late and nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. It wasn't as bad as they think it was. God is for us and he's the redeemer. If you're in the middle of it now, you're in the throes of this, I'm just saying Jesus is our roadmap. The word is our roadmap. And for me, it is in the crying out where my faith in Christ is where my faith in God is, where my faith in his promises comes from, is that I just throw myself on it. Throw myself on it and say, tell me what to do, I'll do whatever you say. It's, it's, it is a, it's a humiliating thing to be so incapable by myself. But I accepted it, and then I just can run to Jesus, where success is a guarantee. It's a guarantee. The closer I parent according to the word not, not a Christian curriculum, guys. Just be careful. I'm going to wrap up here. We're going to pray together. Not a Christian curriculum on parenting. He wouldn't let me do it. There's some good stuff out there. I've gotten a few good things from, but there's so much I've had to disregard because it's people's interpretation and it's, it's man's ideas. And I don't see a lot of the gospel backing it up. Okay? So parent from Jesus. Go there for yourself. And, 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 and disciple like he discipled his disciples. And disciple the way he's discipling you and growing you up. And that's, that's, how, that's how we're going to get there. Um, back in verse 16, it says that whatever we ask in the Father's name, the Father will, in Jesus' name, the Father will give to us. So as we close, I'm going to ask you all, stand up. We're just going to go to the Father this morning. Oh, I didn't invite a keyboard player. Let's get on it, girl. I had so many good Ackerman secret sauce. That's what I've been calling this message all week. It's the Ackerman secret sauce to parenting. So many good stories, man. I didn't get to like hardly any of them. But the gospel and the word and Jesus are better than my stories. Um, but so often I'm, I'm sitting, I'm listening to a message, and the stories always help me. Like, what does that really look like? What does that really look like? Um, well, in the end, what it looks like is going to the Father and asking so just let, let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you, Lord God, that your word is true, that you are for us. God, I thank you that you are a redeemer, your faithful father and friend. God, I thank you for Jesus, Father, that you sent him to come for us. You did not leave us, Father, but you brought us in as friends, as sons and daughters. Father, I thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, your mercy, your grace. God, you pour it out so generously to us, Lord God. Let us distribute it out to our children and to those who are looking to us to see you, to see a picture of who you are. Father, we just surrender control right now, Lord God. We surrender our parenting. We surrender all of our good ideas. We surrender our fear and worry. 
we surrender striving and religious safeguarding. God, it's not going to be because we hold a Bible study once a week in our home. Father, it's going to be because of you, because we cry out for your mercy, for your grace in this. Father, I pray that you would cultivate love in our hearts for our children. Father, I pray that you would cultivate trust in our relationships, that you would cultivate partnership, that you would cultivate obedience in our hearts and in the hearts of our kids, in the hearts of your people, God. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you've given us a spirit of love and of power and of soundness of mind. Father, I thank you that your plans and your purposes for our children will come to pass because they love you and they keep your commandments. I declare and decree that every promise of the word is their inheritance and we will teach them to love and obey so that they might partake fully of the great reward. I thank you, Father, that it's done in the name of Jesus. Our children are safe in you because we commit them to you. Father, I thank you that we are able because we are in Christ and can do all things. I thank you that you are faithful and merciful and generous in your love for us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen and amen. We have prayer teams that are going to come up. They come up every week. They are here for you. These are the people who I want praying for me. These are the people who I text, say, hey, pray for me for this, that, and the other thing. Because we need partnership. We need to be discipled as grown-ups. I am so thankful my husband disciples me. Pastor Andy disciples me. My phone buzzed this morning. I knew who it was. Happy Mother's Day, Liz. You're such a blessing, just building me up. I knew it was him. So if you need prayer this morning, if you just want to seal this deal, if you have fear and worry in your parenting, come and and have prayer. Come and get prayer. They're just going to agree with you. They're just going to stand on the word with you. Doesn't the word doesn't fail. And the prayers of a, the righteous man is powerful and effective. So be dismissed on this beautiful Mother's Day. Have some cookies and coffee. Um and just bless you guys.